0: Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Good morning. It is an amazing privilege to be able to share with you again this morning. Um, Over the summer holidays, I kind of knew this date was coming up. So I was starting to ask God what he wanted me to speak on. Um, And then I was watching the Strictly Come Dancing launch show when they were being paired up. And God just said, no, I don't want you to talk about that anymore. I want you to talk about um, being confident in the gospel. So I was like, okay, um, and went down that track. Um, And then last week, if you were here, Richard Cole um, spoke to us and really encouraged us about how we can be certain of the truth of God's word. And he ended by saying how the reliability, accuracy, and truth of God's word means that we can share it with confidence. Richard and I hadn't talked to each other, we'd both talked to Adam, um, but so we had no idea that God had given us both a message that was gonna follow on from each other. So this is kind of like part two of a mini series that we didn't know we were gonna be doing. And I have to say, this has really encouraged me this week. This week has unexpectedly been very busy and exhausting. So with little time to prepare, that kind of sense that God has a plan in this has really encouraged me. So that's where we're going this morning. God has given the church, his people, that's us, that's you and me, the responsibility and privilege of sharing his gospel message of hope and salvation with everyone. The most well-known time in the Bible that we see that is the Great Commission um, at the end of Matthew 28, when Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. But that's not the only time that that call is given to go and share the good news. In Luke 9, Jesus sent his disciples out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then in Acts 1, shortly before Jesus left them, Luke records Jesus sending his followers out to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. So there's a really clear call there to go and to share the good news. So the word gospel is a translation of the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. But it's also the translation of the Greek verb euangelizo, which means to announce the good news. The heart of the gospel, the good news that we are called to announce is the good news of Jesus' love and salvation. Good news is so important in our world today. We hear so much bad news, even fake news, that sharing the good news when it comes is absolutely vital. When we have good news, we want to share it with others, don't we? Um, Sort of thinking for myself, I've been doing a master's degree for the last two years, and when I've got my results, when they come in, the first thing I do is share the good news of those results with those who've been supporting me through that course. We just want to pass it on, don't we? So I just wonder, what good news have you got to share this morning? I'm going to pause. Only going to be 30 seconds, so those of you that absolutely hate this and want to run out the door, just bear with me for 30 seconds. I want you to think of a bit of good news. It can be really simple that the sun was shining yesterday to share with the person next to you. Off you go. If you're part way through, can I encourage you to continue that conversation after the service? It may be that you've started talking to somebody that you didn't know before. So good news is so important, isn't it? So if as Christians we have the good news of Jesus to share, we're called to do it, it's a responsibility and a privilege. Why do so many of us not do it? If we found, if you personally, if I found a treatment that would cure all cancers, put an end to them, I'd want to share that with the whole world, wouldn't I? Yet as Christians, we know who and what will save the world from sin and death, but we aren't prepared to share that with the world. So what stops us? The most common reason is fear. Fear is a powerful emotion that makes us want to stop doing whatever it is that's causing the fear to arise. Fear stops us from taking risks, and fear stops us from being effective. We're not alone in feeling afraid about sharing the good news, the gospel, with those that we know. Throughout the week, we regularly come in contact with many people. It might be our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, our social contacts. There's going to be a lot of people within those people who don't know the good news about Jesus. And as I said, we're not alone in wanting to, in being afraid to share with them. Looking back through the Bible, we've got Bible heroes like Moses, Gideon, Jonah, amongst others who were all afraid and doubted their ability to do and say what God was calling them to do. In Luke 12, the disciples were afraid and Jesus reassured them by saying, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And Jesus says that to us this morning as well. 40% of Christians say that they don't talk to non-Christians because they don't feel able to answer questions if they're asked them. That's just under half are afraid to talk to their friends because they don't know how to answer questions. I've moved on to the third year of my degree, and over the summer, I've been preparing for my dissertation, and I found some research called the Talking Jesus Project, which was carried out last year in the UK by a partnership of organisations like Alpha and the Evangelical Alliance. They surveyed 4,000 Christians and non-Christians to find out what people in the UK think of Jesus, Christians, and evangelism. The findings, I think, are encouraging, they're reassuring, but they're also challenging. Just a few highlights that kind of fit with what we're thinking about this morning. 24% of non-Christians said they would talk to a Christian friend, colleague, or family member to find out more about the Christian faith. That was the second top answer after going to Google or a search engine. 44% 44% of Christians answered no when asked if a Christian they, sorry, 44% of non-Christians answered no when, they asked if a, when asked if a Christian that they knew had ever talked to them about their faith in Jesus. Gets a bit more encouraging now. 75% of non-Christians who had a conversation with a Christian said they felt comfortable being spoken to about faith. That's more encouraging, isn't it? And get this one, 96% of Christians, people who'd become Christians, said that talking to a Christian influenced their faith journey, and that it was those conversations that made them want to know more about Jesus. You can see why I said they're both encouraging, reassuring, but also challenging. People out there want to know. They're ready, they're searching. They want us to talk to them. So coming back to our fears, what stops us? Two of the biggest fears that I think we can probably all identify with are fear of not knowing what to say and fear of rejection. We don't have to know how to say everything, what to say all the time. We don't need to get it right. We don't need to know all the answers. There are going to be times when we just don't know what to say, or we mess it up, We're going to be asked questions that we don't know how to answer. And it's okay to say, can I get back to you with that? That's then a great opportunity to have a follow-up conversation as you go back and give them the answer and continue the conversation. It can be hard as well, can't it, to know when to bring faith into conversations because we don't want it all to be, you know, to be seen as a Bible basher and all we talk about is the Bible. But it's about knowing when is the right time to drop those um, seeds of faith in. And the key is looking and listening for opportunities and taking them when they come up, trusting the Holy Spirit's promptings trusting that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say when we need them, as we saw in that um, quote from Jesus earlier. Um, As well as the hub, um, I also have a part-time job down at St John's School where I'm the Christian character lead. And as part of that role, I have amazing opportunities to come alongside and chat with staff increasingly as they're getting to know me more. And I often get to the end of a conversation and I stop and I think, and I think, where did that come from? how what you know how did I say that? but it 's just that allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us, similarly with our users in the hub, again, we, we get to know them it's not just about giving food, it's about building relationships and um, Coming, you know, go, walking their life journeys with them. And we've got one particular young mum at the moment who's waiting for her baby daughter to have heart surgery. And to start with, I would just say, oh, you know, I'll be praying for you. But I've now started, just really felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to start saying to her that God will be with her and to start speaking that promise into her and over her as she goes into that difficult situation. The good news is, People aren't attracted to a perfect, flawless presentation of the gospel of the good news. They're gonna be more likely to be drawn to something that they can identify with. And the best place to start is by talking about our own testimony, our own story, bringing God's story up to date, talking of what God's done for us, how he's changed us, how he helps us through our everyday lives. 30% of non-Christians say they remember a personal faith story from a conversation more than anything else. And if we haven't got the confidence to talk about faith, talking about our own journey is a great place to start because who knows our story better than we do? So that's fear of knowing what to say. And I think, if we're honest, probably this next fear, the fear of rejection, is going to be an even greater reason it it definitely is for me rejection's painful isn't it Jesus was rejected but he was able to endure that rejection because he was confident he knew that his father God loved him and had sent him and knowing that our security and identity are in Christ, that we are sent by God, helps us to endure rejection too. We've started the service. If you need a reminder of some of those security and identity things that God speaks into us, we've been singing them, we've been declaring them. That's what helps us when we are faced with that fear of rejection. We all want to be liked, accepted, and to belong, don't we? And it's that fear of rejection that stops us from taking that next step in relationships, maybe in going deeper, or maybe in building a new relationship. We don't want our friends to think we're uncool, boring, or narrow-minded as Christians, and to reject us from that. I Think sometimes we're, we're embarrassed to admit that we're a Christian, we're ashamed to share that good news that we know has changed our lives and can change their lives. This was a big part for me. I'm part of Stubbington Green Runners, and I always used to hide behind when, because a lot of races are on Sundays, and I used to behind, hide behind, oh, I work on a Sunday. I've now changed that, and I've started to say, actually, I'm not gonna do all the races on Sundays because I'm a Christian, and because I feel it's important that I go to church on a Sunday. And I've still got as many friends as I had before, but it was that fear of rejection that stopped me. When somebody rejects the message that we're sharing, we too often take it personally and we think that it's actually us that they're rejecting, but it isn't. Jesus' disciples went through this as well. And in Luke 10, Jesus warns his disciples of taking the rejection personally. He says, he who who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So when somebody rejects what we're saying, it's not us they're rejecting, it's Jesus. And when we are rejected, when we feel that sense of rejection or that fear, it stops us wanting to talk to somebody else, doesn't it, in case the same thing happens. But again, Jesus speaks into that fear and that concern with the parable of the sower, where he reminds us that people are going to respond differently to the gospel. There are gonna be some that are gonna reject it and there's gonna be some that are gonna receive it. We just need to keep planting those seeds, having those conversations, and leaving it to God to do the rest. It might take hundreds of conversations to find one or two people of peace, the people who are open to those faith conversations. So that's kind of painted the the fears, the reasons why we don't do it. So having identified fear as the problem, how do we move from being afraid and ashamed to confident and bold, to fulfill the calling that God has on us as his followers? And the antidote to fear and shame is confidence. It's confidence in God and confidence in his message. From the beginning of the Bible right through to the end, we read of God's continued faithfulness to his people. As we've already seen, Jesus' disciples experience so many of the battles, the fears um, and experiences that we do. We see Peter. If we want an example of somebody messing up, that's Peter. But what did Jesus do? He restored him, didn't he? Despite the fact that he messed up. It's not just through the Bible that we see God's faithfulness. We continue to see God's faithfulness throughout the history of the Christian people. And he is still faithful today. We can draw confidence from hearing the testimony of others. I love hearing people talk about um, how they've stepped out in faith and talked to somebody in their workplace and just hearing those stories of God at work And when we do that, it encourages me, and I'm sure that as we share our experiences with others, we will encourage one another and spur one another on. We can also be confident that when God calls, he also equips. He doesn't call us and then leave us to get on with it ourselves. He promises to be with us, to provide for us, and to enable us to finish the assignment that he's given us. As Paul puts it, God gives you everything you need so that you may abound in every good work. Last week, Richard told us how many promises there were in the Bible, and the most common promise in the Bible is God's promise to be with us. Probably, again, the most well-known is the one at the end of Matthew, where Matthew 28, where Jesus has promises to be with us to the end of the age. We do not need to fear because we can be confident that God is with us, that he has given us his Holy Spirit to help and guide us. I'd kept Monday afternoon this week free to finish preparing this talk. But that morning, um, I also work at St John's School, as I've said, we had the dreaded call that Ofsted was coming. You don't get lots of notice, they call on Monday, they are with you on Tuesday morning. So I came down here to do my afternoon here and I was sat in my office um, working on this and I just became more and more unsettled. I Just kept feeling those promptings, go back to school, go back to school. So, I went back up to school, not really knowing what I could do, but being prepared to dispense hugs and just offer my hands to help in any way that I could. And um, at one point while I was there, um, pizza had been ordered for the staff. So, I went round to every single classroom and to tell the staff what time to come to the staff room for pizzas. And as I did that, I had the amazing privilege of being able to check in one to one with each member of staff to see how they were doing, to offer words of hope and to, ins- to assure them of my prayers. It's not easy, is it, when we feel God nudging us to do something, but so often when we do, we step out in faith and we are, we are just blessed because we've followed that nudge. So coming back to God's promises, We've um, heard some already in, during the start of this service. I've talked about God being with us. But other promises that give us confidence to speak to others is that God is greater than our fears. His perfect love drives away fear. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline so that we don't have to be ashamed to speak of the gospel and that being rooted and established in his love, we have the power to grasp just how all-encompassing God's love is. So why do we fear failure and rejection when God's perfect, all-encompassing love offers that security and acceptance to us as we've been singing as a child of God? we can also draw confidence from the fact that when we share our faith, we partner with God. We are joining him in his mission to save the world. God doesn't ask us to save the world. He just asks us to faithfully do our part by sharing the good news of, the, of Jesus as confidently, clearly, and lovingly as we can. It's then his job to convict the hearts of the people of people and to draw them to himself. We're not in it on our own um, in terms of um, sort of the Christians around us either. We're not on a solo mission. Often there are gonna be others involved in someone's discipleship journey. And together as we each play our part, sowing the seeds, having the conversations, we will help them move up the Engel scale from no knowledge of God to becoming a spiritually mature believer. As well as confidence in God, we can have confidence in the message that God has given us as well. Last week, this is where Richard helped us to think about how we can be certain for ourselves. The more we immerse ourselves in God's word and grow confident in it, the more we will be able to share it with others. As our own confidence in Jesus grows, the braver and better we will become as sharing it with others. It's God's message that we're sharing. God is the creator of the world. He's also the author of the message. We are sharing God's word, which is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut through thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What a message. What a privilege to be able to speak that into people's lives. The Apostle Paul had the confidence in the power of the gospel. He didn't water it down, he didn't change it. His confidence was in the message as it was. Paul also understood that the power was in the message, not in the person who was speaking it. He rejoiced that the effectiveness of God's word wasn't dependent on the speaker. I'm really thankful for that, because if, God, if it was dependent on us, on me, Yeah, I'm not too sure. But thankfully, God can use us despite our weakness, despite our fears and our failures. God even said he could speak his word through a donkey. That proves that it's not about us. The message that we have that we can confidently share is the power of God for salvation. So if we are faithful and speak that simply, unaltered and confidently, then we can be certain that God's power goes with what we are speaking. Confidence is attractive, isn't it? It draws us in, it engages us, it makes us want to listen. More than ever today, people are crying out for hope They're longing for something greater, something deeper. Hope in Jesus is what people need. And that's the message that God has given us. That's the message that God has created us. We aren't free to tweak it and change it to what we would prefer it to say or to what we think the person we're speaking to wants to hear. We know that the gospel is um, disruptive and offensive And I think that too often makes us cautious about offending people or afraid of disrupting them to speak its truth. If we deliver our message with confidence, it will go way further than if we apologise. We often do that, don't we? We apologise for what we're saying. But delivering it with the confidence um, will have so much more effect. God's power is in it when we speak with confidence, truth, and love. And along with confidence, authenticity draws people in as well. People today are looking for the real deal, for authenticity. And God has called us to be authentic in our faith and to be true representatives of Jesus as we attempt to share his message. Our message is, is about the one who never changes. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thinking around authenticity, does our own story, how we live our lives, what we post on social media, does that match what we're saying? Are we authentic in what we say and what we do? At the start of this year, as many of you will know, um, my role here unexpectedly went part-time, and there was a non-Christian friend who was very much part of that journey with me, and she commented on how well, not that I was doing well, but how well she felt I was handling it. She was really surprised that I wasn't really angry and bitter. And I was able to talk to her about how it was because I had trust in Jesus and his plan for me. And out of those conversations, we're now at an interesting point that she will now often say to me, I know you'll see this differently from me, which gives me an opportunity to be able to talk about how in whatever situation it is, how I see God at work, um, God doing things, where she sees them as confidence and, um, uh, sorry, not confidence, as um, coincidence and luck. One more person I'd just like us to think about to help us with this. As part of my um, studies, we've been um, looking at different um, evangelists through the um, ages. And John Wesley was a great evangelist in the 1700s. He had a burning passion to tell people about God's love. His confidence in doing that was in the message and the rest is history. He believed that when he confidently and clearly taught the truth about who God was and the salvation that God offers, then people would respond. And they did in their hundreds. Wesley knew that it was the power of the Holy Spirit and the nature of God's grace that drew people in. His confidence was in the gospel message as a relevant and life-changing message. If we don't have confidence in our message, how can we hope that our hearers will find that confidence too? As I was in bed this morning, just sort of thinking how to lead into response time, I just... Um, saw this, um, you know, at the airport, when we come back into the UK, you've gone through the whole passport thing, you've picked up your bags, and then before you get out into the arrivals lounge, you get a choice, don't you? You get the green channel and the red channel. You have the green channel, nothing to declare, or you have the red channel, something to declare. And We all confidently, don't we, when we're coming back, we all walk through the um, green channel hoping that the amount of alcohol or whatever we've got is um, within the limits. But I was just then thinking about that red channel, how as Christians we always need to be going through that red channel because we always have something to declare. So who is God nudging you today to step out in confidence to declare the good news about Jesus with this week? Just pause for a moment. Who comes to mind? Keep that person in mind. Father God, we just thank you that you have called and chosen, each one of us, to declare the good news of your love, your grace, and salvation with those we meet. We're sorry for the times when we let fear and shame get in the way, when we don't have the confidence in, in ourselves or in you to take the step to just declare, to talk to them about you, to talk to them about the difference that you have made in our lives. We just pray this week with each of the people that we're thinking of now, that you will just give us the confidence, the confidence not in ourselves, but the confidence in you, the confidence in your word, in your message, to step out and to take those opportunities we just pray that you will just attune our ears to you and that when we feel those Holy Spirit promptings, that we will take those opportunities to talk about you. Thank you that you choose and you use us despite our weaknesses, our fears and our failures. Amen. And then the, the second thing is um, I am sure for most of us, that we are going to identify with those fears, the fears and the shame stopping us from taking those steps. So what does God want to do for you today? What does he want to speak into you to increase your confidence? It may be that his perfect love casts out all fear. It might be That he will give you the right words at the right time. Or that he will exchange your timidity and fear for his power and love. Or it might be that he wants to reassure you that you are rooted and established in him as his child. If you feel that you would like God to, to just take away some of that fear and that shame this morning, can I invite you to stand now as we pray? Father, thank you that you are greater than all our fears and failures. We're sorry for the times when we let those get in the way. Father, I just ask that you will just come and that you will just fill me. You know what I need at this moment. You know what we need. Whether it is your perfect love, your spirit of um, power and love, your reassurance. Come and flow through us. Thank you that you, when you call us, you equip us. And we just pray that you will just fill us to overflowing, that as we walk away from this building and walk out into whatever the rest of whatever that this week has um, in store for us, that we will go into it confident that you are with us confident that we can declare your words with certainty and truth. Just continue, Father, to work in us now as we worship. Amen. If you feel that fear or shame or maybe rejection or failure is holding you back, we're gonna, some of the songs we're gonna be singing are talking about surrendering those fears and failures to God. If you would like somebody to stand alongside you, to continue to pray those truths, those promises of God into your life, can I encourage you to come to the front, go over to the prayer banner and just let God continue to minister to you.